the research shows that, you know, young people who have a vision for their future and especially see risky behaviors as getting in the way of what they want in that future are going to less likely participate in those risky behaviors. During her 34 years of experience as a prevention educator, coach, and consultant, Kathleen Nelson Simley has trained more than 10,000 people across the globe. She's our guest on this episode of Win This Year. Drugs and alcohol. Bullying. Unhealthy relationships. Depression. Internet safety. Substance use. Body image. Self-injury. Suicide. Anxiety. Social media. Kids. Pre-teens. Parenting. Middle school. High school. Adolescents. Teens. Coping skills. Self-care. Relationships. Strategies. Life skills. Prevention. Solutions. Help. Hope. Leadership. Insight. Information. Inspiration. You're listening to Win This Year, the official podcast of Not My Kid, a prevention nonprofit focused on inspiring positive life choices by helping kids, parents, families, and those who work with youth. Informative, interesting, inspiring. Win This Year. Welcome to Win This Year. I'm Shane Watson, public information officer and prevention specialist for Not My Kid. Today, we are joined by special guest Kathleen Nelson Simley. Kathleen is a leading substance use prevention educator, coach, and consultant who has trained more than 10,000 people across the globe. Her 34 years of prevention experience comes from working with community-based youth programs and school districts, serving as a trainer for a national prevention research-based company, and now running her own business, KNS Learning Solutions. She offers her clients resources, training, and support in effective prevention strategies and teaching methods. Parent engagement, community and school support, group facilitation skills, grant writing, and leadership coaching. She is also the licensed trainer for All Stars, a series of research-based prevention curricula for students in grades 4 through 12. Kathleen, welcome to Win This Year. Well, thank you, Shane. So I appreciate you having me as your guest today. How did you get started doing all this? How and why did this begin for you? Well, that's a, that's a big question, which could have a long answer, but let me just summarize it by saying I think I fell into prevention on the day that I was born, um, and it was uh, the family that I was born into and the parents that I had. Um, I think now when I look back on how I was raised in my family and how my parents parented, they were the best role models. And now, based on everything I know about what to do in regards to being an influential parent when it comes to prevention, my, my parents nailed it. And, and not to say that I and my siblings, you know, didn't get into trouble or do things we shouldn't have, but the way they handled it when those things happened was just right on cue. And so I had the best models growing up, and I think that influenced my choice then as far as a career. I wanted to work with kids. I knew I wanted to work in the field of substance use prevention. I wanted to make a difference. And, you know, over t- over the years, I just kind of ended up being in the right place at the right time um, from organizing drug-free youth groups across Nebraska years ago and impacting thousands of kids that way to then working for um, a research-based prevention company and then getting you know, in on the research side of prevention. 
um, and learning what I learned there and then taking those research practices and now, you know, have been training and teaching and coaching those practices to thousands of, you know, teachers and parents and people who are working with kids nationwide. And so that's kind of just a quick summary of, you know, how I, how I became to do what I'm doing and why it's so important to me. Kind of lived it myself, I guess. A lot of people that I meet in prevention very frequently got into prevention because of one of two main reasons. They either say, as you did, I had some really healthy, present, caring, involved adults in my life, and I wanted to be that for somebody else. Or I've met people that said, I didn't have that, and I wanted to make sure that other kids didn't go through those things. So a lot of the best champions of prevention that I've met give the answer that you do because they had that adult and they wanted to be that adult and equip those adults as well. Absolutely. I think you're you're very well right. And I was fortunate enough to be one of those that had the positive role model. So a lot of what I teach and train is just, again, kind of what I experienced personally from my own parents, what I ended up modeling with my own kids, but also what research validates and says is some of the best things we can do. I love that. You've got the heart and the head. You've got the feel-good end of it, and then you've got it backed up by data and research. As a matter of fact, you authored a blog last year titled Putting the Puzzle Pieces Together. It's about giving kids a vision of their future. And we as adults, we often need to help you think about their future because they typically won't tend to do it due to their very present-focused brains. Why is it important that we do that? Why is it important to get young people considering what they want for themselves in the future? Well, it really comes back to research again. And the research shows that, you know, young people who have a vision for their future and especially see risky behaviors as getting in the way of what they want in that future are going to less likely participate in those risky behaviors. And the research actually calls this um, idealism. And it is a, an influential research strategy, and it's about making sure every every child, especially especially during those middle school and high school years, have idealism. And um, you know, I the best way for me to describe this is I I know and have met people, and maybe you and our listeners have too, that maybe there's someone you know or you've met that when they were in middle or high school, they had a really clear vision of what they wanted to achieve or have in their future. And they were doing everything that they needed to do to make that happen. But they were also not doing certain things. And some of those things they maybe were not doing were participating in risky behaviors. And the reason they weren't is because they personally saw those risky behaviors as getting in the way of something that they really wanted and was much more important to them um, to get than to participate in the risky behaviors. So they may have had opportunities to drink or smoke or vape or fight, but they chose not to. They walked away from those opportunities, and the reason they did is because there's something much, much more important that they wanted, and it was something very likely in their future that they wanted. And so, I mean, we we talk a lot about making sure kids know what the consequences of using alcohol, tobacco, and other drugs are. And while that's important, 
the more the more important consequences to kids are having um, is is a personal consequence. It's putting something personally on the line for them to lose that um, is very very important to them. So I think one of the things that we have to remember is when we're talking about vision that you know there's. There are going to be kids, and, and some of them might be our listeners' kids. They have a clear sense already of what they want to be or do or have or achieve in their future, but they, you might also have a child who, when you ask them what they want to be or do or have in their future, they'll give you the answer of, I don't know. And, and research would say that you know kids are more likely going to participate in risky behaviors if they give that answer of, I don't know uh, what I want in my future, because... If you don't really know what you want tomorrow or in all of your tomorrows, then you're more likely game to do anything today that comes in front of you Um, because in your mind, you don't have nothing to lose tomorrow if you do. So, you know, if you have one of those students or you have one of those kids of yours that they don't know what they want in their future beyond today, it's important, really important, to help them come up with that vision of what they want to be or do or have achieved in their future because um, it, can have a, it can have a great influence on what they do and also what they don't do when it comes to risky behaviors. When you have determined what it is that you want for your life, it becomes a lot easier to recognize what you don't want for your life. And we're firm believers in that actually here at Not My Kid in our Project Rewind Early Intervention Program. At the end of the first session, we send teens home with questions asking, what do you want for your future? What do you want a year down the road, five years, 10 years? So again, it it, it lets them know it's easier to recognize when you've gotten off track because you know what you're aiming toward. Well, how do you suggest starting the conversation with a young person to get them looking forward towards a future for themselves. How does that conversation look? Well, the more natural it is, more you know, rather than planned or forced, it's always best um, to best way to approach this, especially when you're, you know, working with a middle school or a high school child. So, but even at a young age, you can begin to plant the seed of a future vision with your kids. I mean, it could be as something as simple as when you see them doing something well or excelling in, you know, a particular area, to compliment and affirm them, helping them see their own strengths and their own their own talents, and 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 it's it not only builds confidence and competence with them, but it can also begin to help them form maybe some visions of themselves in their future. I mean, you can visit with them about their talents, how their talents and skills can maybe turn into personal achievements or even a specific career someday. For, you know, for example, if you have a child who's creative and artistic, I mean, compliment them and maybe you say something like, you know, you'd be good at being a great graphic artist with your skills. Um, You can show them examples of what a graphic artist does. Um, You can get, you know, we all get marketing pieces in the mail And you could just use those as quick examples of what a graphic artist could create. So linking some of their strengths, their skills, their talents to uh, some specific ideas and giving them examples, just formulating those ideas with them I think are really important. 
Um, another effective way of bringing up just kind of a natural conversation with your kids is just talking about other people or using other people as examples. I was always good at using our family meal times for, especially as an opportunity to to have a casual conversation with our kids about um, the future. And I would always, you know, find opportunities to bring up someone that they may know or maybe someone that they didn't know who I saw was doing things to get the things that, you know, get to get what they wanted in their future. Um, sometimes I brought up examples of people that were not doing the right things um, to get the best things in their future. And so, you know, finding those opportunities to have just those natural conversations when your kids are around, whether it be specific to them or using other people as examples. You could also use your kids' as heroes as examples, Um especially if they're positive examples, but you can use negative examples as well. Um, but let's use it as a positive example. I mean, if your child has a particular sport that they want to excel in and they have a college or a professional athlete in that same sport that they look up to, I mean, you can talk with them about what they think that athlete has had to do to be as good as they are. Um, breaking it down to specific actions or habits that they had to have. Um, it's also important to talk about what they didn't or couldn't do to achieve in their sport. So I think simply just being aware of those spontaneous opportunities that are going to be available for you to talk about the future with your child and taking advantage of them are really, I think, the best thing you can do. And once you become aware of the opportunities, I think you'll be surprised how often they pop up and then jump on them, take advantage of them. Life hands us those organic moments to begin those conversations, but like you just said, we have to be aware of those moments so that we can seize that moment. We need to be intentional about looking for those windows of opportunity. So related to getting kids looking toward their future, how important a part of that is goal setting for young people, and how can we help them set attainable yet challenging goals? Well, I think goal setting is important to attaining our future visions, um, especially, I think, with middle school and high school age students. But it first really comes back to before you can set goals, you and your child really have to come up with that a clear vision of what they want. I think it's really important to distinguish that it's not what you as a parent most always want for your child, but allowing them to have a voice in creating that vision for themselves as well. So to back, to back up just a bit, I think before you set the goals, we need to, to create a clear vision. And I think there's a, there's a number of great exercises or activities that you can do to help your kids really to help them form this vision of their future. But one of my favorites is just using is a vision board. Um, you know, a vision board can help your kids clarify and focus on a specific life goal or achievement. Um, it's a vision board. I mean, it's literally any sort of board. It can be something like even using a poster board, and you can post images that represent um, whatever your child wants to be or do or have in their life. They can draw the images or they can use images from the Internet or cut out magazines to post on their vision board. 
Um, maybe there's even words or phrases that kind of sum up what your child wants in their future and that they can also include on their vision board. Um, so, you know, doing something like that to get that clarity of your child has a voice in giving that clear picture of what they want their vision to be, but then also once you have that vision board or just vision uh, formed, however way you do it, it's making sure then you put it in a public place in your home. Um, it needs to be a constant visual reminder every day for your child. Um, you know, don't create it and then just tuck it away and never to look at it or uh, refer to it. It kind of reminds me, I tell parents, it kind of reminds me of how our actual eye vision can work. You know, perfect vision, they say, is 2020, but your kids can have a perfect 2020 vision of their future after they create a vision board, but if you're if you never have your child look at it again or you don't remind them of it or refer to it, then their 2020 vision will get blurry over time and they could eventually lose that vision and maybe eventually be one of those kids who someday says, I don't know what I want in my future. So keeping their visions always in front of them is important. Um, and and just having clarity of what they want in their vision all the time is important. I would say just a few other tips I wanted to throw out to our listeners, too, that I think is important when you're you're doing this kind of visioning process with your kids is is really letting letting your kids dream big um, when it comes to their futures. I think sometimes we're hesitant to have kids come up with these sort of big dreams that we think maybe are unrealistic, but you know what? If if that's where your your child wants to go when they're envisioning is is to create some big dreams and visions for themselves. I say it's better to have a big dream than to know than to have no dream at all. And um, you know, and hanging on to a big dream uh for a number of years could maybe buy us some time. Uh, for your kids to do some awesome things and stay away from doing some things too. The other thing is not to box your your child into thinking about their future only in terms of a career or job. And I think a lot of times when we think of kids and visioning for their future, that's the first place we go is making them think of it in terms of, you know, what kind of a career or job do you want to have someday? Well, you know, when you're working with an 11 or a 12-year-old, thinking 10 or more years out, that's a long time. And some kids can have great difficulty in doing that. So um, so maybe it's not, you know, maybe, you're, maybe your child has a clear sense of a career or job, and that's fine. But if they don't, then take it another direction. Maybe it's Maybe it's an achievement they want to have in, like, a sport or music or something else. Maybe it's just graduating from high school um, or college. Uh, some kids will think about themselves in, in their future in terms of the kind of person they want to become or the characteristics and qualities they want to be known for. So really kind of think outside the box when you do this visioning with your, with your kids. Um, and another thing is not to put a timeline on it. Uh, so every, every child's going to be different. Some kids might have a vision that 
five years out, but maybe another child will only have a vision from one year from now. And that's fine, too. Uh, There's no particular timeline that you have to have for this visioning. And I think it's also important to just remember that, you know, visions can change and they can be adjusted. And, you know, so your your child should have the opportunity to review their vision and um, adjust it if they need to or want to. And that that's, that that's okay. So I think once you have, you've kind of walked through this visioning process, you've kind of applied some of those ty- uh, tips in, in the process, I think then goals are just going to flow from that. Um, you're going to see what goals you need to set now, short-term and long-term, to make what's in your vision, vision happen. So... Um, and goals are going to be helpful um, in breaking down the work, you know, now that you're going to have to do and the habits you're going to have to have and um, help you measure your progress that you're making or maybe not making either. Um, and goals can, I think, can help your kids then stay motivated and focused. Um, I, I, I'll end with, with this one, one quick story. My son, my son was a, is a great example of all of this. He when he was in middle school, he had a bad habit of turning his homework in late. And consequently, I mean, his grades reflected this bad habit. He was mastering the content in all of his classes when it came to his quizzes and his tests, but turning in his daily homework in late habitually was like bringing his grades down. So I was like constantly nagging him, as he would put it during this time, about the importance of turning the homework in on time. And then he did an activity in school where, you know, he was asked to envision his future and what he wanted. And one of the things that came out of that visioning process was he said he wanted to be a college soccer player. So, I, you know, when he came home with this assignment and I saw that, I thought, oh, boy, here's Here's the ammunition. Here's the information as a parent that I've been looking for. And so I was able to sit down and actually have this conversation with him where I was like, okay, let's break this down. You wanna, you're in middle school, and you want to be a college soccer player. So what do you need to do to make that happen? Like what are all the pieces that have to fall in place to make that happen? And, of course, he said, well, you know, we, we're breaking it down. And one of the things he said is, I, well, I'm going to have to go to college. And I'm like, yeah, you can't be a college soccer player unless you get accepted into a college. And I asked him, I was like, well, what do you think are some of the criteria you have to have in place then by the time you graduate from high school to get accepted into college? And he brought up the grades. And I said, well... How are you going to get? What are some things that you have to do to get some of the best grades? Your highest GPA you can have then by the time you, you know, graduate from high school. And he would say, well, I have to, you know, I have to do good on my tests and quizzes. And I'm like, well, how does daily homework fit into this? And it was, it was in that moment that, the dots were started connecting for him. Like he realized that it was no longer mom just nagging him about turning homework in on time. It it was something he 
he began to own personally. And it was because he made the connection that if I don't turn my homework in on time, I'm not going to get the best grades. And if I do this continuously, I'm not going to have the best grades by the time I get into high school or graduate. And that could keep me from going to college, and it could keep me from being a college soccer player. And it was a major turnaround for him. Now, not to say that we, you know, took care of, it's not that he still didn't have some homework that was turned in late after that, but it dramatically dropped because it was now connected to something really important to him. And so his goal was turning my homework in on time, um, connected to a larger, larger goal that he had a big vision he had for his future. So, and guess what? He ended up becoming a college soccer player. It worked. Yeah. Well, there's <laughs> a lot of other working pieces that had to go into that, but that's just, that's kind of an example of, I have, you know, that I used to kind of make that connection. It first starts with the vision and then breaking it down. What are you going to have to do? And then owning it and holding them accountable to it. And that's great because my next question was related exactly to that about drawing that parallel, drawing that line between present behavior and future goals. And if there's a discrepancy there that the present behavior is not going to allow the attaining or the achievement of the future goal, sitting them down and getting to see how those things don't, those two things don't align for them. And with the vision board, what I loved is that you didn't just have it set it solely dedicated to career and school. You talked about it being expanded beyond that. What I'm glad to see when we have parents, because we have parents in Project Rewind also answer questions about their kids' future, but most of them do what you talked about. They don't talk about what they want as a parent. It's about their child's voice and their child's vision. They want them to be healthy and happy doing it, but they want them to be able to achieve their vision. And I love that you took it beyond career and school and you said dream big because what we allow them to consider, you know, speaking of our kids' futures, our behavior, our expectations of them can affect their behavior, which in turn can affect their future. As a matter of fact, a recent blog of yours is called What You Expect Is What You Get. It explores that very idea. What can you tell us about adult expectations of kids from both parents and educators and how it affects behavior and therefore outcomes? And you gave a great example of that already. Yeah, it, there's a lot of research about the role of expectations and the influence they can have on kids. And so the expectations you have of your child, you have to know that they really do influence their behavior. And the line that I use is, your, it's, it's as simple as this. Your kids can read you like a book. And they'll know what you expect of them based on what you say or don't say and what you do or you don't do. So I like to ask parents a number of questions sometimes when we're talking about this to just stop and think about, um, like, what are your expectations of your child when it comes to using alcohol, tobacco, and other drugs um, in their future? I mean, and then... Do you have expectations? And if you do, are you sending the right message then to your kids about those expectations? Because a lot of times when you ask kids, what do your, what do your parents expect of you when, when it comes to risky behaviors? 
a lot of kids will tell you they don't know. And so, but then when you ask their parents, their parents believe they've sent a strong message. Mm -hmm. So there's kind of a disconnect there between what parents think they're doing and the message they're saying and what kids are saying they're really hearing or getting. So if you do have expectations, are you sending them clearly to your child? How are they reading you when it comes to these expectations? And, you know, it all starts by having parents think about, you know, really what their expectations are when it comes to their kids and risky behaviors. And so I challenge kids, I challenge parents to think about, I mean, do you expect your child to not drink alcohol until the age of 21? Or do you... Do you expect your child to not use tobacco products of any kind for a lifetime? Do you, do you expect your child to never use illicit drugs? I mean, most importantly, I ask, when I ask parents to think about this is, what do you think is realistic or idealistic to have as expectations of your child when it comes to risky behaviors? Because if you... If you think it's possible to expect your child not to drink until the age of 21, if you think that's possible and you think that's realistic, my, my message back to you is keep thinking that because that's likely the message then you're sending your child, that it is possible and it is realistic to not drink alcohol until the age of 21. And they're more likely going to achieve it or get close to achieving that simply because you had the expectation, you believed it was possible, and you sent that message to your child. Unlike if you believe that it's unrealistic or impossible for your child to not drink alcohol until the age of 21, okay, remember your kids can read you like a book, then they're probably going to pick that up from you. That you might say that you expect them to not drink until age 21, but if they're picking up from you within that message, Again, based on something you say or don't say, do or don't do that, it's not really possible, though. They'll pick up on that, and you may be setting your child up for failure by not then waiting until 21 to drink alcohol, by simply expecting them, um, by simply you thinking it's not possible or expecting them not to be able to do it. So it's a, it's a really, it's a, it's a, it's a mind game, right? It's like what you expect is what you get and how you send that expectation can have a strong, strong influence on your kids' behaviors. And they can definitely, I like that you emphasize that they can read us. We're not as good of poker faces as parents as we often believe we are. And that you emphasize we need to even be conscious of what is our thought? What is our opinion? Do we believe this or not? Some parents haven't even taken the time to think what they expect and what they believe is attainable. And then the emphasis on being abundantly clear with them on it. We're, where we meet parents, sometimes we'll say, 
oh no, my son knows the rules or my daughter knows what my expectations are. Better that they have that conversation one more time, even if they feel like they have, and be abundantly clear than have there be any gray area, any confusion at all. I love a quote from that blog that applies to what we're talking about here. You said, if you set the bar low for your students or your teen, you will get something lower than the bar from them. If you set the bar high, then you increase the chances of getting something higher than the bar from your students or your teens. To sum it up, when you expect less, you get less. When you expect more, you get more. If we're constantly fixated on the risk and the potential negative, that can have a profound effect on the lives of the young people in our lives, whether we're educators or we're parents. So beyond being conscious of our own beliefs and expectations, conveying them appropriately, how do we get them, how do we get the kids in our lives to believe and expect the best of themselves as well? Will that come naturally just because we believe it or what else is involved with that? Well, I, I really do think it just starts with us, their parents and, and, and all the adults in their life, um, in their life who believe in them and, and expect the best of them first. I mean, I really do believe that we influence, I think, a lot of kids' um, own expectations of themselves by what those around them expect of them and believe they are capable of doing. So I think if we remember how influential our own expectations can be of our kids on their behaviors and can always can always expect and want the best of of them and from them, I think we'll be quite surprised then at what we can and will get from our kids. And um, so I think it really just starts with us, the adults in their lives, who have to believe it ourselves and express it uh, strongly and continuously that you can have the best, you can get the best, I want the best from you, but it requires the work on your part, right? So, and I think also I, I... I also remind parents and adults that when you do this visioning process with kids uh, looking into their future, that I think you'll be surprised at what your own kids will tell you, that they really want the best for themselves as well, and that they really don't want bad things to happen in their future, and they don't want negative things to happen in their future. And so... When you have your kids who are telling you that they want the best for themselves and you know you also want the best for them, that you're more on the same page then when it comes to this, having high expectations, then you are not, then not being on the same page. So I think, I think we're both in the same place, but we just need to make sure we're both saying it. If they fall short of our expectation or perhaps one of their own expectations or goals, how do we help them rebound from that and learn from it without them being overly discouraged or affected by it? Yeah, it is important to remember that, you know, when you set your expectations high for your child, that they might not live up to them. And remind parents, you know, this, this is reality and, and this is life as well. Um, and, 
And I think our own reaction to when our child falls short of an expectation teach, teaches them how to deal with it themselves. So tell parents, know that it's not the end of the world and to let your child know this. And it doesn't, it doesn't mean that you have to lower your expectation of them in the future just because, for example, just because they may have drank alcohol at the age of 18, when you maybe your expectation was 21, it d- doesn't mean it's over and that you have to give up your expectation of them. I mean, you can still expect um, your child not to drink until 21 again, even though they may have done it once. So I tell parents, when, when your kids fall short, and they haven't lived up to an expectation. Don't lower your expectation. Don't lower that bar again. Because what's the message that that's sending your child? That they really did fail. Mm-hmm. And I can't do anything better than this. And because now mom and dad have kind of given up on me. Um, so, no, I think one of the best things you can do is take that opportunity when they've fallen short let them know your expectation is still high for them, but also take the time to talk with them about what happened. Like, what did they do? Um, why did it happen? How did it happen in regards to whatever it was they did um, to break or fall short of that expectation? And what could they do differently next time? So it's these kinds of disappointments and I think sometimes failures that can teach our kids sometimes the most important life lessons. It's just being there and processing it with them and continuing to support and coach and affirm them um, even through those tough times. So it it doesn't need to lower the bar even when kids fall short. I say that's all the more and that's, that's the time when we need to keep the bar high all that much more is when they mess up. Is it important then that if we as adults, we fall short of a goal of our own or an expectation of our own for ourselves, something in our life, is it important that we be careful how we then respond to that in front of our kids to show them that we don't have that all or nothing, all is lost because I made a mistake mentality? Is that example in our own life? important as well with how they're going to deal with their own shortcomings. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things we're talking about here is that modeling, right? That's so important. Um, it's, it's modeling what you want or expect of your own kids through your own actions. And so they, you know, they're watching you, they're listening to you and, you know, they're, they're going to learn from you. So absolutely that's, that's important as far as how we handle and um, react to when we fall short as sometimes our own expectations of ourselves or um, something doesn't happen the way we wanted it to, how we handle that and manage that. It's a great life lesson you're teaching your kids at that time as well. And that connects to another topic that I know that you're a firm believer in, talking the talk and walking the walk, actually setting the example by example what things are adults doing that might be affecting their credibility or connection with the young people in their lives? What do we need to look out for that we are not doing or that we need to be doing? 
Well, it can come down to a lot of things, and I think it's just simply when you're when what you're expecting of your kids and wanting from your kids in their regards to their behavior, you're not doing the same. And it can that can cover a lot of areas, right? I mean, it's when I mean kids can see when adults' actions don't align with their own words. Absolutely. And so I think it requires all of us as parents to probably step back and reflect. First of all, what am I expecting of my own child in regards to their behaviors and actions? And am I sending that message clearly to them verbally, but am I also modeling it in the best way for myself? And if you find that there's areas where you're not doing that, then that's where you're going to have to step up. What are some of the most important areas and ways for us to model healthy behavior for our kids? What areas of life? Is it communication? Is it relationships? What types of areas do we need to be intentional about? I think there's a number of things. I think, first of all, just remember that you as a parent have a lot of influence. And when you're a positive role model, you can have some strong positive effects on your child. And sometimes these effects that you can have on your child is the most important prevention strategy, most effective prevention strategy in and of itself. And so just always know that you are important. What you do and, you know, what you think and what you say matters. And so here, I mean, some ways that you can be a positive role model in your kids' lives, one way is to just simply be involved in positive activities yourself. I mean, I know in today's world we're all busy, and it's, you know, we are probably saying no thank you to to opportunities that we're given to be involved maybe in our community and church, maybe in your kids' school. But when you take the time to be involved in positive activities and show your child how important being involved is, no matter how busy you might be, that encourages them to do the same. And research shows kids who are involved in positive activities are less likely to become involved in risky behaviors. So model yourself the importance of being involved in positive activities. Another thing you can do, you know, that we talked about already is just um, encouraging positive open communication with your child. I mean, kids, kids who have good communication with their parents have a better chance of avoiding risky behaviors too. So, and it doesn't just happen. Good communication doesn't just happen. Parents, you have to make it happen. And when you model good listening skills, uh, when you speak with encouragement and respect to your child or or you simply share your own feelings um, or life experiences with your child, those are just some simple ways that you can send a message to your child that, listen, I'm open, I'm here, and we can have conversations about a lot of things with one another that aren't going to be judgmental, um, that aren't going to be confrontational, and again, the earlier you can model this, again, with your kids, the easier it will be, of course, when they get into those teen years and conversations and communication becomes just naturally harder. 
but modeling just that open, positive communication is important. I think another thing we kind of talked about this, too, is just making positive choices. I mean, the choices you make as a parent not only impacts you, but it it can also impact your child. So, you know, I say someday your child might be in a predicament and and they might think to themselves, well, what did what did mom or dad do uh, if they were when they were in the same situation? Or what would mom and dad do if they were in the same situation? And so you can model for them um, how to make positive best choices through your own actions. I think it's easier to show them how um, what the best choices are than to tell them what the best choices are. So, yeah, be a, be a good role model of that. And then lastly, of course, one of the most important things is just being a really good example when it comes to alcohol, tobacco, and drug use. I mean, how much and how often you use um, alcohol, tobacco, and drugs is related to how much and how often your child is likely going to use. So you need to give serious thought to whether your own behavior could be having a positive or a negative effect on your child. And, you know, and if you find that it might be more in the negative, uh, in a negative way to, you know, seek that help or be willing to to make the changes needed and it's harder to say than to do but yet yet so so important not only just for you but also for your child's future so I mean the bottom line is if you if you want to be a good parent you need to talk to talk and most importantly walk the walk like you said that's the line I use I love it. That's a lot of tangible, actionable steps. Those are things that parents can actually implement. Those are things that they can do right upon hearing this episode, things that they can apply to their life immediately. Anything else you'd like to add or anything perhaps I've overlooked? Well, I would say, you know, parenting and working with kids is tough. I mean, it's it's not an easy job, but it'll be one of the most important jobs you'll have in your life. And so I th- say if you just remember, you can make it easier on yourself and for yourself if you just remember that you are important and and that you do matter and that you do influence your kids. I think the older, you know, when our kids move into middle school and high school, I think a lot of parents begin to believe that they don't matter anymore. You know, what they think, what they say, their kids aren't listening. Um, it doesn't, they're not paying attention, that they aren't having that influence. Kids, their friends have more influence now over them. And that just isn't the case in a majority of situations. Parents' influence still is important and is still big. So if you remember that, then, you know, and and you just remember that what you think matters and what you expect matters and what you do matters and that they're watching you and following your lead, I think then you're going to lead in a much more positive way. And I think you'll, you'll be uh, pleased with what, with what you can see then in the long term with your kids. Absolutely. You can contact Kathleen, read her blog, and learn about training opportunities via her website, which is knslearningsolutions.com. As always, 
We'll be sure to link her site and all of the blog entries that we've mentioned down in the show notes. Kathleen, it's been an absolute pleasure. You've got a lot of information and you've got a lot of strategies that, like I said earlier, parents can implement right upon hearing this. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us here on Win This Year. Well, thank you again, Shane. I really appreciate the opportunity. So, again, thank you. And as always on Win This Year, we want to give you three resources. If you are struggling with thoughts of suicide or you are helping someone who is, there is help, there is hope, there are resources available. Number one is the Suicide Prevention Lifeline. You can reach them by calling 1-800-273-8255. That spells out 1-800-273-TALK. Teen Lifeline can be reached at 1-800-248-8336. That spells out 1-800-248-TEEN, T-E-E-N. And the Crisis Text Line can be reached by texting the word LISTEN to 741-741. If you are going through a difficult experience, I want to encourage you. There is hope. Things can get better, but it is important to reach out and to ask for help. And for those of you who are noticing someone who is struggling, it is important that we reach out and we help them, that we start the conversation and we let them know we care and we will help. Thanks once again to our guest, Kathleen Nelson-Simley. If you've enjoyed this episode, if you enjoy Win This Year, please be sure to subscribe, share, and spread the word. Win This Year can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and nearly every other mainstream podcast outlet. If you have questions or concerns, would like to suggest a guest or a topic for a future episode, email us at winthisyear@notmykid.org. winthisyear@notmykid.org. As always, all links mentioned in this episode will be in the show notes along with all the links for Not My Kids social media. I'm Shane Watson, public information officer and prevention specialist for Not My Kid. Thank you again for listening to Win This Year.